This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to be talking about something that every single person needs to be aware of, to take advantage of, to be concerned about, and that's money. (laughs) Really, we can't function without it. And we certainly want our businesses and our personal lives to be successful. So we're going to have a great time learning more about a variety of uh, topics in this. Um, And so please join me in welcoming Casey Stubbs to our program today. Welcome, Casey. Thank you, Deb. I'm quite excited to be here. You know, it really is something that is very interesting, but it is, as I'm sure you know, one of those things that we all do the ostrich thing about. You know, we don't want to talk about it. We certainly don't want to talk about it in public. Um, You know, it's kind of, you know, all of those various things. But there are so many things that business owners and individuals can be doing to improve and increase their wealth that we really need to be taking advantage of a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about. I agree. Uh, One thing that one of my mentors has told me so many times was everybody thinks about money every single day. Mm -hmm. They might not talk about it, but they're definitely thinking about it. Right, right. You know, good and bad. You know, we write, you know, we're paying all the bills and we're like, and, you know, and and it's like, okay, is it going to stretch that far? Or maybe it's, oh my gosh, we're planning a vacation. This is going to be so much fun. Um, I was talking to uh, one of my guests one time and I said, you know, one of the things I hate the most about my job or my business is invoicing. I just don't like it. However, I like the results of it. So um, it is something that we really are always thinking about. So before we really jump in, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Casey Stubbs is a United States Army veteran and entrepreneur dedicated to helping people from all walks of life achieve financial freedom and abundance in their lives. So first, foremost, and most importantly, thank you so much for your service to our country. Uh, You're welcome. My father was in the Army. Now, this was way back in World War II, but... It was, aside from me, his, his proudest thing. You know, he absolutely was so proud to be a veteran, um, you know, and, and, and I just love seeing how, you know, that, that carries forward to, to our youngsters, because, yeah, you are a youngster compared to me, um, our youngsters of today, and, you know, and, and seeing all that. So, again, thank you so much for your service. You're definitely welcome. It was my pleasure. Well, you went from the army to being this entrepreneur. Tell us how you made that transition and how you made the decisions to to get into helping people with financial uh, matters. Well, um, I've always pretty much been an entrepreneur in my mm-hmm. heart, <laughs> even as a kid. So um, it wasn't really difficult. It's what I've always wanted to do. So it was co- kind of like one of those deals where I just couldn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but the way it actually happened is after I got out of the military, which was in 2005, I did nine and a half years. I got out and I'd already started several businesses on the side while in the military, mm-hmm. but I got out and I was doing construction. Uh, in 2008, the construction industry went down. Right. No jobs were available. I looked and looked and looked. So I figured, hey, why not just start a website and see what happens? Mm-hmm. So while I'm on unemployment, I was starting this website on the side, looking for jobs, couldn't find anything. And eventually, by the time my unemployment ran out, my website was making enough money to provide. So I just worked full time doing web stuff after that. Cool. Well, why finance? You know, that is, it it takes a very special person to really understand the ins and outs of financial world, the market, all of these various things. Well, there's two specific reasons why I got into the finance side of things. The first is I am naturally pretty good at not spending a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at saving, and that's how I got my first business is when I was in the military. 
Uh, I saved my money. I didn't buy any extra stuff. You actually make enough money in the military if you're a single guy or a single mm -hmm. girl. You can um, just live off of whatever they give you and all of your cash is extra because they right. pay for your house, your right. rent, your food, mm -hmm. all your bills. Um, but I had found that most of the people that I was, most of my friends, actually probably 90% of them would spend everything that they got on you know, extra food, extra mm -hmm. TVs, VCRs, movies, video games, mm -hmm. clothes, and I just socked all that away. So mm -hmm. I had saved up about 25000 when I got out and started my first business. That was way back in the day. But um, so I was naturally good at saving. Uh, I think it had to do with some of the influences my grandparents had on me. They're from the Great Depression and my parents, mm -hmm. uh, really frugal people. And mm -hmm. so that just kind of was a natural thing for me. The other thing that got me started into the finance side of things was uh, when I was um, maybe 16, 17, my dad was involved in the stock market really heavily, mm -hmm. and he started to do it online. That mm. was when online trading just got started, mm -hmm. and it just so happened that my dad didn't know anything about computers. He's a baby boomer, right? and so computers were like foreign to him, and I grew up and it was just natural. Like right. they, from you six years old, I knew how to do it. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so he's like, uh, I need help. And mm -hmm. so he show, he's asking me to, to get these stocks on. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, what is this stock thing? Mm -hmm. This is like really cool. And so as, from that point forward, I was really into uh, the markets. You know, and I love that it was a passion, like you said, from when you were young and that you learned these skills. And, and so many times we don't learn these skills from our parents. Now, you know, I'll be honest, my parents were very much like your parents. They were very uh, frugal. They weren't cheap. You know, we still took great vacations. We never wanted for anything, but they also were very cautious with their money. They saved all these various things and they didn't quite pass it on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I don't know why I didn't, you know, pay any attention to it. Now, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm not, you know, but, but it, 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 there were the, the bright, shiny objects caught my attention sometimes a lot more than saving those bright, shiny objects. So, you know, I love that that is something that, that you really grew up with. And, you know, and more and more, I think parents have got to instill that in their kids. You know, and it was funny, before we started um, on the air, I asked you if you were a millennial, and you said, no, you're actually a Gen Xer. I think a lot of millennials are very good at saving. Now, that's just my impression, but I think that is something that, that they learned really to, now they, you know, they, they do enjoy themselves, you know, let's, let's be honest about that, but I think they also are very practical is maybe the way to put it. I think you're probably right. And I think a lot of the reason that they're into savings is because they want to live a more free life. I right. think that freedom lifestyle is really important to them. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not an expert on this topic at all, but I have studied a little bit what they, this new thing coming out called the fire movement, mm. which is a lot of millennials, they want to retire really early. Right. So they're focusing on spending almost no money so that mm -hmm. they can have basically live frugally their whole lives, but then they're not tied down to any job and they can kind of live free and do whatever they want for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, you got to admire that. I mean, that's very cool. And, and, you know, and of course the, the cool thing is with so many things now we can continue to work, you know, and, and still really enjoy our life. Um, you know, once we retire, and I'm putting that in my little air quotes because that could be, you know, at 40, at 60, at, at whatever, by having an online presence, doing an online business, you know, all these various things. So, you know, the, it, it, it's a really exciting time to be alive and be investing and be planning in all of these various things. You're right. And when I grew up, what I am doing now didn't exist. Mm -hmm. A lot of the jobs that are really popular now didn't exist 10 years ago. So right. the industry's changing so much. And like, I travel a lot. Every mm -hmm. year I go, I'm from... I live in Pennsylvania, but my family's from Oregon. Oh, okay. So oh, every, that's a long flight. Well, it gets even longer <laughs> because I don't fly. I drive because mm. I, I have nine children. Ah, and holy so moly. With my wife and mm -hmm. my nine children, that would be 11 people. And but so it's 11, a great adventure. It is. And that's why we drive. For one, my wife is a little, she doesn't want to bring all the kids on the plane. Right. So oh, yeah. That's year, just way too complicated. Um, we drive across the country. Mm -hmm. 
And the cool thing is that I work the whole time. My wife drives mm-hmm. right. and I get my Wi-Fi signal mm-hmm. and I'm working and, and she's driving and it works really well because I get to work and make mm-hmm. some money and my wife doesn't have to um, nag me about how I drive. She gets to drive. So we, it's a win-win <laughs> situation. Mm-hmm. I love that, you know, and, and more and more we are hearing about people who are, who are what we call the digital nomads, where some of them, you know, and, and it's funny, it is a lot of millennials have no true home. Um, they do have a physical address that they use uh, because, you know, IRS needs that. You know, there are various things where you have to have a physical address. And so they have, you know, a variety of ways that, that you can do that. But they just travel from place to place. Um, I've uh, had several guests on my program who are uh, professional house sitters. I love this concept, you know, I, and, and I think it's the coolest thing in the world. I mean, they have done things like lived in, um, you know, Southeast Asia in these beautiful homes for months, rent-free, taking care of someone's cat. And, but as long as they have Wi-Fi, they're still able to, to actually function. Now, they said, you know, obviously, time, is, it, time zones are uh, something that they have to consider. But, you know, and, and so, again, they're making money. They're, it's just like when you were in the military. It's not costing them really a lot to live. And, you know, they're, they're saving up and, and they're getting to do all these bucket list trips. Yeah, that sounds actually really like a great idea. I never even thought of that. That's oh, I know. pretty cool. Well, and I talked with one guest who he has a big RV. He has several kids, not nine. I think he has two or three. Um, and so, you know, he could, he could put them in an RV. You'd have to have several RVs. And <laughs> yeah. um, he, they just travel from place to place. Now, his kids are still young, and so they're homeschooling them. Um, and I actually have a cousin who is doing the same thing. She has an RV. She homeschools her kids, and they travel from place to place. And again, as long as they have Wi-Fi, they are able to work. And I just, I think that's the coolest thing in the world. Now, they've all said, you know, we really got off topic here. Um, they really have said, you know, that when they, when the kids get older, they know it's good to, to have them in a place where they can be, say, in, in sports and school or band or whatever. But for now, I mean, I just, I think that's great. But it, 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 it really is a financial choice also. Right, it is. And for me, it was actually not a financial choice, though. It mm-hmm. was a. It was really important to me that my children knew my grandparents well. Right. It was. It was family mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. So I have determined that I was going to do it whether I had the money or not. Mm-hmm. And so there had been trips where we literally were down to our last few bucks. Right. But we still did it because mm-hmm. we made it a priority. Right. And um, now uh, it's that's not an issue anymore. Mm-hmm. But we still put that as a priority because I mm-hmm. think family's really important. Well, and traveling. I mean, you know, the cool thing about going from Pennsylvania to Oregon, it dep- and, and since you can still, as you said, continue to work the whole time, you can take some routes that are going to, to give the, you know, s- such great, I said it before, adventures and experiences to the kids. Um, you know, so you can, you know, one time you can maybe hit, you know, this national park and the next time that national park and, and all of these very cool things. And, you know, I, I still remember, I'm an only child and I traveled a lot with my parents during the summers. And I still remember, you know, a lot of those trips that we took and how much fun it was to go to those places and just experience them, um, you know, and, and so I think it is so cool what you're doing. And yeah, hopping on a plane, I mean, it's, it's easy. And obviously, if you have to get somewhere quickly, that's great. But if you can take the time to travel, and even if you're just, you know, taking, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, and all of that good stuff on the road to, to save a bit of money, you know, it's, it's great. You know, I, I think that is, is very cool. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we have done exactly that. We try to take different routes each time. Mm-hmm. We've done some pretty cool stuff. So, yeah. 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 You know, and, and that's one of the things I think that when we have financial freedom, now some people don't like to travel. I mean, you know, that's just, you know, and that's, that's very cool. But fortunately, I married someone who loves to travel. And so we like to take road trips. And we have the, the, the financial ability to be able to do that. We've also taken some big trips with family members, um, you know, some, some things like that. But it, it's, it, it, it is more about, it, it's more than just go to work, make the money, go to work, make the money, die. And so that's a big part of what you are helping people with is how they can 
enjoy the, the, you know, how they can have enough money so that they can enjoy doing whatever it is that they want to do. I agree. And um, that is one of the big reasons why financial freedom is so important. And you, it really starts with looking at what you want to do with Mm -hmm. your money and with your life and then making a plan for it and not just kind of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. When you talk about planning, uh, I think most people do more planning for their vacation than they do for their financial future. Right. And whether their financial future is how are we going to make it through the year or how are we going to make it through our retirement years? You're right. I think they are. They're thinking, okay, well, what, what's the cool thing we're doing this month? I agree. And uh, with one of the things that I didn't do this initially, but in the last three years we've been doing this is I have my vacation planned. It's a, it's a line item in my budget every month. Mm-hmm. So I know that I'm going to take one vacation at the year, mm-hmm. but that's a line item. So I know, okay, the vacation's going to cost $10,000. Right. So I'm taking $2,000 or that, the math isn't quite right there, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Whatever that number is, I'm taking that out and setting it aside for the vacation so that it's mm-hmm. ready to go when it's time to go. Right. Because of course, the worst thing is to be doing this on credit cards. You know, and, and whether it's your day-to-day living expenses or vacations or, you know, everything in between, you know, and, and obviously we have to use credit cards. You know, I, I, I very rarely carry cash, um, you know, just because for a variety of reasons, but we have to have credit cards. You know, that a lot, there are businesses now that will not accept cash. That's kind of an interesting concept. <clears throat> but the key, of course, is to pay them off every month. And my husband, bless his heart, makes sure that we do that. That's good. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you can get some really good bonuses uh, by doing that and being disciplined. But the problem is that it's very tempting. Right. It's very tempting to say, okay, well, I need this thing mm-hmm. and I don't have the money, but I'm just going to put it on credit. And then the next thing you know, your credit card's maxed out and you're, right. you're paying the interest in that is really the exact opposite of what you want to be doing. You want to be putting money into something that is making money, mm-hmm. not putting in money into something that is draining money. So it's, it's a huge reversal on what you should actually be doing. Mm-hmm. Well, as we are recording this, it's the end of uh, December. Uh, and, you know, and of course, that's one of the big things that a lot of people do is they put all of their holiday gifts on their credit cards. And I don't remember, the last time I saw the stat, it said something along the lines of, even if that's all you put on your cards, many people are still paying those off well into the, the next year. Um, you know, and, and so it's, but it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, you want to get your friends, your family, the cool gifts. So again, you know, what are some, you know, because, okay, so we're planning early now for next holiday season or birthdays or again, travel things. Talk to us a little bit about how we can plan for those special items that, you know, so that we're not using our credit cards to do it. And that's, I, I do the Christmas thing the exact same way that I do the vacation. And mm-hmm. that is, I say, okay, how much is Christmas going to be? And I, mm-hmm. I put that money aside every month. So I have, I have a line item in my, in my family budget mm-hmm. for Christmas and birthdays. And you, you just got to take some time. Right write everything that you you do and then write it down at the end of the month. And if you forgot something, no budget's going to be perfect. But if you forgot something, just add it in. Mm-hmm. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at it and the better your discipline's going to be. And mm-hmm. you're going to be really, It's I think it's just really exciting and fun when you mm-hmm. realize that you're not having problems like you used to because now you're you're saving the money ahead of time. Right. Yeah. And one of the things I do for holidays is I actually shop through the year. You know, if I see something that I think somebody would like, I buy it. I buy it then. Um, you know, and, and and then, of course, the tricky thing is I got to remember where I hid them. But, you know, and and so I'm not, be, part of it is I hate shopping. So I'm, you know, having having to go to the mall or, you know, Amazon or wherever, you know, and, and pay the extra shipping because I procrastinated all those various things. So it's it really is something where it's like, and, and a lot of gifts I get are when we travel. So it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so would like this or, or whatever. And so, but it, it's exactly what you said. It's about being conscious of where we spend our money and how we spend our money. Um, you know, I, I remember one time I went to a financial planning seminar and this was years ago and 
And this, you know, and, and it was, you know, keep track for a month of everything you spend. And this person, you know, said, oh, I never have any money, yada, yada, yada. And so they started looking through her budget, or not her budget, her expenses. She went to Starbucks every day, every day. And routinely, and this, you know, this was long enough ago that she was only spending like 10 bucks. And she thought, oh, this is only $10. Well, $10 in a week each day is 50. And so, I mean, that adds up. And, you know, they said, you know, okay, there's this thing called Folgers. You can, you can buy coffee. You can, you know, all of these various things. And, and so it's, you know, we're not talking about depriving ourselves. We're talking about doing it in a more intelligent and smart way. Right. And I, I think it's perfectly fine if that's what you want to do, just have it on your budget and understand Mm -hmm. that that's where the money's going. I think the big problem is that when you're doing it, you don't realize how much. And then when you figure out, oh my, I just threw that much down the drain. I don't Mm -hmm. want to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you know it and then that's in your budget and you're, that's what you want to do, that's great. And I think one of the, uh, one of the things that I like to teach on my show, uh, my show is the Cashflow Hacking Podcast. Um, ways to get additional cash flow mm-hmm. is uh, find cash flow sources. Don't just live off of your job. Find something, do something extra to make extra revenue. Mm-hmm. And that's one really important technique is don't just get one source of revenue. Right. The other thing that's really important is once you get that extra source of revenue, don't just raise your standard of living. Um, Keep your standing of living the same. Everybody it's not seems you, but to you get, got more, so you can spend more. Right. Well, that's what <laughs> what everybody does, mm-hmm. and I have a tendency to do that too. But if, again, several years ago, I capped my I capped my revenue. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is I'm self employed, so I capped what I pay myself, mm-hmm. and everything else, everything on top of that, is going towards uh, investment or giving. Right. Uh, and so I don't really need to make any more money because I've got the budget that I need. Mm-hmm. And so I still want to try to get those extra cash flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I see everyone falling into the trap. Now I'm going to buy a bigger house. Right. Like, I've seen people upgrade and buy like four new houses right. just because they can now afford it. Mm-hmm. And and then something changes and they lose the big house. Well, something happens in their revenue, mm-hmm. right? So right. guess what? The big job that they had, it, mm-hmm. it's gone, especially if you're only relying on one source of revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, with multiple sources, sometimes that new source of revenue that you get, you don't realize how big it's going to be and it'll just keep growing. And other times it might not be as good or it'll stop. I mean, you just never know. I've started multiple different businesses, multiple sources of cash flow, and I never know which one's going to be big and which one's going to work out until mm-hmm. much later on. Right. Now, you like doing that because you're an entrepreneur, you know, and, and so you're actually starting additional businesses and you've had some that, you know, they're all successful, but you've had some that are very successful. You've actually sold some because they were so successful. What about the, the people who, re- they, they don't want to be an entrepreneur. They don't want to have other businesses. Let's talk about, uh, you know, as you said, multiple sources of revenue. What are some great ways that people can start bringing in this extra money? Well, if they don't want to start a business, there's some things they could do on the side depending on how much time they have. Okay. Uh, online is a great way to make extra money. There's a website out there which I recommend everyone take a look at. It's called Upwork. Mm-hmm. Upwork is a freelance website. It's where I hire uh, most of my people, right? And so if I need a website designed or if I need some writing done, so if you like to write, if, you, if I need a graphic that needs to be built, mm-hmm. um, I go there. Uh, if I need, I mean, there's just so many different online jobs that now you can work on the side at your own personal time to get an extra source of revenue. Uh, Upwork is a great place to do that. Great. I love that. And, and I'll be honest, I, when I'm looking for something like that, I use Fiverr. So I'm definitely going to have to check out Upwork because it sounds like a great place that I need to, to investigate. I use Fiverr too. I mm-hmm. use both. It depends. If it's a more long-term job, I'm going to Upwork. If it's something okay. quick and easy, I'm going to go to Fiverr. Right. You know, and, and from a business perspective, when we're spending the money, that tends to be a great resource. Um, you know, I've had, had my logos designed there. I have had website work done. And, and it's always been good work. You know, people are like, oh, you went to Fiverr. I'm like, well, you just said you liked my logo. And they went, oh. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, are you going to spend like 2000 on a logo or five bucks? Right. And you know, it's I, still good. Like you said, right. it's great. You know, and there are obviously times where we have to make those investments. And I say that as the person who designs websites and things like that. But um, you know, there are also times where, especially when you're starting out, you you have to be professional. You know, you you need to have the things that you know, you have to have the website. You have to have a logo. You have to have these various things. And and so it's, it's okay to go the less expensive route. And you may always do that. But you know, it's it's okay to start small, and then build. You know, if and when you can. I think that uh, it's a kind of a trade off because when I first started, I did everything myself. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really look professional, to be honest, but right. I was more, I cared more about getting it done and getting mm-hmm. started and getting mm-hmm. out there. And then as I started to grow and to have success, there, a trade-off happened. I realized that saving time was more important than saving money. Right. And so because I could spend my time on something that was going to generate more revenue than developing my own logo. Mm-hmm. If I spent two hours to make a logo... I could use that two hours doing a task that is making money, like writing emails that is selling products, for right. example. Right. So I'd rather spend my email my time writing those emails and then pay the five bucks on Fiverr mm-hmm. to get somebody to do the logo. Right. You know, I, I have the same philosophy, and I do what I basically call the 15-minute rule. If it's going to take me more than 15 minutes to do something that isn't what I need to be doing, then I need to outsource it. Um, you know, and now I always outsource graphic. I can't do a straight line with a ruler, uh, you know, let alone be creative. So, you know, I, I always outsource things like that. But if it's, you know, say it's, uh, if I have broken my website, if it takes me less than 15 minutes to fix it, then I do that. If it's more than that, or even updating it, you know, some things like that, I, I outsource it because I'm like you. I need to be using my time making money not doing things. Now, it, it's tricky because I like tinkering. Oh, I like tinkering on my websites and all these various things, but that's not the best use of my time. Right. And it's good to learn new things too, because that can help you mm-hmm. expand as a person, but you've got to be careful not to go down rabbit holes that next thing you know, your entire day is down and you didn't do any of the high, product, right. high productivity items. Well, and I'm one of these people that if, if I can't fix it myself, I get really frustrated <clears throat> because I'm like, okay, I'm smart enough. I should be able to fix this. And, you know, it's like, okay, you know, and like, good example on the, the Business Power Hour website, I have a special search feature where people going to the website can search for a guest by their name. I discovered that that's actually a very difficult search to perform and, and because it's, it's too specific. Um, you know, if I put, and I won't go into to detail, but I tinkered, I tried, I tinkered, I tried. I got really, really frustrated because I kept thinking this needs to be something easy. Finally, it dawned on me, you know, I pay for that theme. So I contacted the people who made the theme. I said, can you make it do this? 25 bucks. <laughs> Right. And, and I and thought, okay, plus I spent no hours. <laughs> now, it, it still took me a little bit of time because they, I discovered during this process they're actually in Russia. So we did have a, we had a little bit of, of uh, communication problems. But once we figured all of those out, they really, they charged me $25. And I thought, okay, stupid. <laughs> and so it's, it, it really is a matter of using our, our resources wisely. And time is definitely one of those resources that, it, we we always have to think about how we're going to be using that. Right. And for me, uh, one of the best ways that I can use my time is, and I've advanced again to a new level. In the past, it was, okay, I'm going to write those emails. That's going to make me money. Mm-hmm. But now, the way that I'm using my time the best is I'm teaching someone else to write those emails. And right. so, training people, I've always got somebody by my side. Mm-hmm. And I'm always training. Mm-hmm. And then I'm teaching the person that I'm training. Once they get trained up, then I'm teaching them to train someone. And then that's how the, the power of multiplication comes in. And you're able to grow one business, two businesses, three businesses, four businesses, because you've spent your, the bulk of your time training people to do everything that you also right. know how to do. And that is for an entrepreneur, or small business owner, one of the hardest things to do is to delegate, um, you know, because it's our baby, you know, and, and nobody's going to do it as good as we will, right? You know, that's me. I'm like, oh my gosh. But 
when we have freed up our time, it really is fabulous. Um, you know, when I finally, you know, that light whapped me in the head, it didn't light up, it whapped me in the head. <laughs> when I finally figured out I need a producer for this show, you know, to do the things that are the logistical things, contacting guests, doing the schedule, all of those things, I, I now have this producer that is absolutely fabulous. And I got her through a, a resource called HireMyMom.com. So she's a virtual assistant. Um, it's kind of like you mentioned with Upwork. You know, this uh, Hire My Mom is, is a, a place where <clears throat> uh, primarily women, and, and obviously it started out with, with moms who could work a little bit during school day, things like that, but great virtual assistants. And when I finally just went here, you know, do it, 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 it is phenomenal. Um, somebody asked me the other day, well, do I still do <clears throat> her work? And I said, why? You know, I, I don't review her work because I trust her to do it right. And if I were the, the boss in a company with 100 employees or 1,000 or, you know, whatever, I wouldn't be reviewing all of their work. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's as that entrepreneur, as that small business owner, knowing that we have built a team that we trust. Yeah, I agree. And what I have done in my training is I'll review their stuff for a while, mm -hmm. but eventually they get to the point where they start to really do things the way I like it. And they start right. to kind of think like me a little mm -hmm. bit. And, and then, so they then add, I don't have to do it. to it. I love it when they add their own flair to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now when it comes to writing emails, I don't write emails anymore. Mm -hmm. For one, if I do, they look terrible. And the people <laughs> that I've trained actually do much better than what I do. Mm -hmm. You know, and, People can, you know, virtual assistants are a great resource, uh, you know, that we've talked about Upwork, some other things like that. It, it <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> it really is, you know, thinking how to best use our resources. So what are some other ways that business owners can really think about, you know, doing to, to improve their cash flow, you know, budget more, have more money, make more money, all of those various things. Well, one of the the key areas is to really look at your budget and then come up with a plan. When I say budget, I'm also talking about your revenue sources um, for the business and then come up with a plan. And I try to, to every year, and this is the time of year I'm doing it, it's December, mm -hmm. I'm trying to come up with my strategy for next year. Okay. Like what, am I, what can I do to increase my revenue? And so there's a lot of things that you can do and it depends on the business owner and their their specific uh, ideas and how they function. But one is you just take your best sources and you work on those. Mm -hmm. I found that a lot, you know, that 80, 20 rule is really true in business. Mm -hmm. You could be working on a couple different things and some of your areas are not really producing mm -hmm. and some are. So you can cut back or eliminate the stuff that isn't working and then focus more on what is, and you can see an instant reward um, on your return by just eliminating the unfruitful activities. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things, and I had another guest that talked about this, that, and, and it was one of those where, you know, clearly I wasn't paying attention to because when he talked about it, it was, again, the light bulb. He said, you know, especially as a business owner, but also in our personal lives, we have these things that we subscribe to on a monthly basis. Whether it's, um, you know, uh, uh, well, on the radio today, they were talking about people who subscribe to like Netflix. Um, you know, I subscribe to several services for my business, all these various things. And it's like, oh, $10 here, $10 there, but every single month and all these various things. And, and so he said, go through and look at all of those and look at how much you use them. You know, do you, do you go to Netflix enough to, to justify that? Is there a free alternative or a less expensive alternative? You know, what about the annual renewal things? You know, I got nailed with one, you know, several months ago that I had, <laughs> I'd forgotten I even had. So that's even worse, you know, 50 lashes with a wet noodle to me. And it was several hundred dollars when it renewed. And, and it was like, holy schmoly. Um, you know, and, and so it is something where we want to look at those things that we spend money on, again, and figure out, do we need them? Is there a better, cheaper way? Yeah, Deb, I think that in business, online business, specifically the business that we're in, that's really important because we have so many tools. I spend thousands 
I mean, I might spend $10,000 a month in tools because I'm running multiple email platforms. I'm running website platforms. I'm running uh, funnel platforms. I'm running all of these different things. And I just, if anytime I see a new tool, I'm like, okay, let's get it. Mm -hmm. And so I actually probably need to do that right now. I do it maybe once a year Mm -hmm. where I just go through and I'll probably be able to cut like $500 a month in expenses. And that really adds up when Mm -hmm. you add that up for a year. Mm -hmm. That's over $5,000 of extra money Mm -hmm. I'm spending that I don't even really need to spend. And and yeah, is it something that you're using? You know, and, and, and I always tell people, go with the free version because many of these things offer a free version. LinkedIn, great example. I think uh, the last stat I saw said 85% of people that are on LinkedIn have the free version. LinkedIn clearly thinks that's great. I mean, you know, otherwise they would really, really, really be pushing the, the paid services. Now, yes, they, they do push those, but, you know, the, you still get so many benefits with the free version that most people, as I said, really don't need the paid version. I have the paid version because I need the additional features for what I do. But, you know, it's... It, Look at that. now, And and the cool thing is with LinkedIn, I can always drop back down to the the free version. So take a look at those things. Um, You know, and again, are you using them? You know, did you subscribe to something and and you're not paying or somebody else is is doing your books for you? And so they're just putting, you know, the 10, the 12, the whatever in there every single month and you're not even paying attention to it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned LinkedIn because about two or three months ago, I just subscribed to the pro plan. Mm Mm-hmm. And I haven't even logged in yet. Oh, no. <laughs> I've been paying for it for three months. Right. So it's like, oh, my. Somebody mm-hmm. told me it was a good idea that I needed to start doing it. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. Well, and it, it is one of those <clears throat> where, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, the, the, I, I like the, the in-mail. Um, and I like to be able to do some advanced searches and, and things like that. But, yeah, you know, it's, it, the free version definitely works best for LinkedIn. Canva, another great example. I use Canva to create a lot of the graphic images that I use on social media, you know, all these various things. And, of course, Canva now will do virtually anything. Well, it, it, you know, especially from a graphic design standpoint because you can do sizing, all these things. But I like it for social media because it sizes it appropriately for whatever platform you're on. So I don't have to stop and think, okay, now what's Facebook size today for an image? And, 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 and. Um, they have a free version. I use it enough that I have the paid version. You know, uh, images, you know, if you're using stock photography, now, you know, I always tell people never, ever, ever, ever steal photo- you know, photos off the internet, right-clicking and doing save as no bad. Um, but there are, now you can get so many graphic design images for free or for a minimal amount. Um, you know, and, and so just look at those things. Again, look at what you're spending every single month, personally and as a business. I agree. Definitely a lot of savings to be had there. And uh, another, another cash flow advantage for a business, because um, that was the, what got us on this topic initially, mm-hmm. uh, is to launch new things. Right. Um, if you have something that's working and mm-hmm. you want to maybe go into a new field, that's one of the things that's great about a business is you start to build up all of these resources mm-hmm. and now you have a team and now you have a lot of things that you could can do that you could not do before. Right. Like I have all these great marketing systems built up on social media. I've got a mm-hmm. team for content. I've got a team for graphics. I've got a team for SEO. I've got a team for paid ads. I've got all of these things that it has been built up over time. Well, now that I have these, I can use them to make my business better, but I can also launch that out into right. another field. And mm-hmm. so uh, a couple years ago, when I started my first side project, that added a huge amount of revenue to my bottom line. Mm-hmm. Now I'm starting to add new side side projects uh, all the time because they're just all growing together in unison. So using your base resources and then starting something fresh from that is a huge uh, cash flow generator. Right. Well, one of the things that, you know, for a cash flow perspective that is kind of the the new thing that a lot of people are confused about, we hear a lot about, we don't know what to do, is cryptocurrency. So talk to us a little bit about cryptocurrency. And, you know, is it pretend money? Is it like monopoly money? You know, what if, what if we really want to, you know, okay, we made cryptocurrency, can we use it on vacation? You know, all these various things. Okay, so that's a pretty in-depth subject. I know, and I, that's, that's I, like an hour's topic right there. I'm, 
I love crypto, so I can talk about it. I'm not like the world's foremost expert, but I have a really good understanding on it, and I mm-hmm. am a personal investor in it. So right now, crypto has, uh, Bitcoin specifically, has dropped a huge amount in value. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that in the last year. Right. Overall, it's still up tremendously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't looked it up today, but the last time I saw it, it was about 3300 mm-hmm. per one Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of money. Um, but that's still down because last year its peak was at 19,000 something. Mm. Uh, so it's down like mm-hmm. 85, 90% right. uh, in a year's time. So it's been in a bear market right now. But if you look at it overall, it's still up tremendously. And if you compare it in price to say gold, uh, one ounce of gold is about 1250 right mm-hmm. now. And so the value of Bitcoin is actually worth more than gold. Wow. And it, you would be surprised at that. And I've got a couple interesting comparisons of things that you may have not have thought about um, when you think about like why it's worth so much than say a dollar. Our money is created by the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. They basically create money out of nothing. Mm-hmm. They just push a button. Right. You know, and boom. Print more money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in your account. Boom. You know, we're going to bail out this government today, 500 billion. Boom, click. And mm-hmm. it's created. And there's no limit. So, so let's just think about this. When you create money instantly, there's no labor involved, mm-hmm. right? And there's no, no limit. It's mm-hmm. unlimited. Whereas if we look at gold, you, you use gold, you have to pay for someone to get it out of the ground. Mm-hmm. You have to buy all of this equipment. There's lots of labor. Mm-hmm. There's lots of cost. And there's something. Uh, so there's effort and labor and there's a limited amount. Right. It it's is a only, finite resource. Exactly. So because of those things, because of the labor mm-hmm. and the, the limitations on it, it has value. Now, if we look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin is almost exactly the same, as shocking as that seems, it, as gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in order to create Bitcoin, it can't be created out of thin air. It must be mined electronically using mm-hmm. Bitcoin mining machines, it costs a lot of money to build those computers. Those mm-hmm. computers cost a lot of money. It takes a lot of human, human effort to build those mining machines, to put them together, to connect them up. Mm-hmm. And it costs a lot of money to continually uh, mine them with the electricity. Mm-hmm. And there's also a finite of availability of Bitcoin available because uh, when they created it, they put a limit on it. So there is only a certain amount that is ever going to be in the circulation. Mm -hmm. So when you take all of those things into consideration, and then you see that the price went from, I mean, it's only a few years old, but it went from zero up to Mm 19,000. Obviously, there is some value there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so right now we're in a bear market, but I believe that it's going to be uh, continually a good investment because of the comparisons that I said to gold versus the US dollar, which is really, there's nothing that adds a great amount of value to the dollar, except for the fact that everybody's using it um, as the global currency. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are using dollars in other nations and right. using dollars to buy goods. So that's what creates the demand for it, but it's, it's definitely not as valuable. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the tricky thing is how do you use Bitcoin? Um, you know, it's not like you get it in a wallet and you, and now it's, it's, I'm like a virtual wallet, but you know, um, so like I could pay you in Bitcoin because assuming you accept Bitcoin, but you know, it's not like I can go to Walmart and say, hey, I have this Bitcoin. Can I turn Bitcoin, you know, you know, my Bitcoin into cold hard cash? Okay. Do you have Bitcoin, by the way? No. I, and I'm really, I know, you can tell I know nothing about it. I really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious because... Um, no, you, I have no. Uh, <laughs> not everybody's into it yet, but you will. <laughs> um, so to answer that question... I, uh, I sell uh, products online, mm-hmm. and they're in the financial industry. They're based off of um, teaching people how to trade the financial markets and mm-hmm. things like that. And one of the things that I do is I accept Bitcoin on my website. Right. And the reason I do that, 
there's a lot of reasons. Number one is I don't have to deal. And so I'm just talking about more positives here. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I don't have and to deal with banks. Mm-hmm. I don't have to deal with merchant accounts. Right. Um, the banks take all of this money from me. And mm-hmm. then they also have all these rules and regulations and they have some they call it, make it very difficult for people to be in business. Well, uh, and, you know, so, so yeah, you've got the fees, even with PayPal, you know, they take 3% or whatever. And, and then, heaven forbid, you deal with someone in another country. You know, that's where stuff gets really complicated. Right. And they can, as because they're, they're PayPal and they're the bank, they can actually just freeze your money or take your money right. or do whatever. You hear horror stories every mm-hmm. day. But when you're dealing with Bitcoin, there's no fees, there's no merchant, there's no bank. It's directly from consumer to merchant. Mm-hmm. There's no middleman. And so there's, it creates a little more freedom in that area. Now, mm-hmm. that also has more risk for the consumer because if they buy, someone, buy something from someone who's not reputable, then they can lose their money and they right. don't have any big brother to look out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to do your research. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure that you're not doing it with the wrong person. But that's just another advantage. So yes, I can you can buy things online and more and more are taking it. Uh, If you just look for it, you'll see more and more. And there's another way that you can use Bitcoin day to day. And I actually have my Bitcoin wallet Mm -hmm. and I've turned it into a debit card. So I've connected my Bitcoin wallet to a Mm -hmm. debit card so I can go to Walmart Mm -hmm. and I can swipe my card and it will do an exchange. Mm -hmm. It will transfer my Bitcoin into dollars and Mm -hmm. it'll do the purchase for for Mm -hmm. So I can spend my Bitcoin anywhere I want, wherever they take Visa. Wow. I love that. Well, and, you know, obviously it is growing. And so, you know, it's probably not going to be too long before things like online Walmart, Amazon, you know, the, the big online vendors start taking that as a form of payment. Right. And the, I think there's going to be a lot to develop with it. The the governments are not fond of it because they don't have total control. And, well, and it's really hard to tax. <laughs> right. Yeah. Taxing and control regulation. Mm-hmm. The banks right. don't, the banks hate it mm-hmm. because they, banks make money because everybody has to go through them. Right. And so um, the governments and banks, those are the two powers, the two superpowers. Mm-hmm. They're not happy with it at all. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves, um, you know, and, and, and it's, it is something that, as you said, I think probably a lot of people will really start using more and more of as long as they're tech savvy. Um, but yeah, it, it surprised me, I, you know, I mentioned earlier that there are places now that won't take cash and uh, Amazon stores, the physical stores that Amazon opens, they do not take cash. So, you know, more and more, everything is going online. Now, that's tricky because we do have many people who aren't tech savvy for whatever right. reason. You know, they, they, they just don't want to be, you know, or, or it's just, you know, beyond their capability. So, you know, it, it does make life a little bit difficult. But at the same point, it's, it's a fun thing to start thinking about and exploring. Yeah, and it's it's a little bit of a learning curve, and a little it's not the easiest thing to get started in. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they will begin to make the the use of it easier, more accessible, and it, it's just going to be interesting. If you look at history, the history of money, which I'm not even going to talk about, but there's just been a lot of cool stuff that's happened mm-hmm. over the last 500 years, and so I think this is just another cool event that could end up really crazy, and who knows what it's going to happen. Right. And, you know, it'll be like Star Trek. Exactly. (laughs) Well, Casey, one of the things that your team helps people do is develop marketing strategies. You know, and and that that is obviously very much a part of how to be financially successful. I mean, and and so many times people just are winging it if if they even think about a marketing strategy. So what does it take to build a world class marketing strategy? If you have any kind of product uh, online, my expertise is online. I think that nowadays you really have to have an online presence. Uh, mm-hmm. I've actually done some training for offline businesses, how mm-hmm. to get, how to take advantage of on- online training for your offline business because mm-hmm. it can really benefit. So no matter where you're at, you need to have a marketing strategy. And I think the best way to go now is online because that's where everybody looks for everything. Mm-hmm. People don't go to the newspaper looking for stuff. They don't go to the phone book anymore. So there's a, yeah, what is that? I mean, the millennials that are listening are playing what? Uh (laughs) Yeah. So, um, 
there's a lot to it, but the basic, I'll tell you how I tell my mom. Cause she's always like, well, what is it you do? Right. <laughs> um, you need to get your, your product in front of people. Mm-hmm. And it's just like if, if, if your online stores, Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. People have got to see that store. They've got to drive into it. You've got to come up with a strategy to get people to come to your website and mm-hmm. to see your products and get to know your brand. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many different ways to do that. But to start, I would recommend with your website, start creating uh, some kind of content like mm-hmm. articles mm-hmm. and then be, start to build a presence on Facebook and then drive traffic from Facebook to your website. Mm-hmm. And you can also use all of the other social channels as well. You can use LinkedIn, you can use YouTube, use Facebook, uh, Twitter, and, and it takes a lot of work, but you begin to start building this, what I call a web mm-hmm. where you're basically everywhere on the internet and you start driving all those people to your website mm-hmm. and start connecting them with your brand. Well, and we want to be very clear here, folks. <clears throat> you're driving them to your website. Let me say that again. You're driving them to your website. I still have people who tell me, oh, I'm only going to have a Facebook page. I don't need a website. <clears throat> Facebook can change the rules. <laughs> they can delete your page. <clears throat> they always are changing who sees your posts. So you want to control what people are seeing. So drive people to your site. So if Facebook bans you, which they are, they do ban people now, right. or if they change the rules, mm-hmm. you are in big trouble. So I'm in total agreement with that. Now, I'm not going to say that you can't be successful just right. on Facebook. I see people that are making millions just on Instagram, just on mm-hmm. Facebook, just on YouTube. That's not how I teach people to do it. You can do it that way. But when you put all of your eggs in one basket, there's some risk there. Right. Um, now, I would say that if you do want to build your profile, start with one platform first. Mm-hmm. You build your website, <clears throat> but you've got to get found somewhere. People are not just going to find you if you're on your website. Mm-hmm. So you build your website, you build up that Instagram profile, become an Instagram famous, and then start using that to drive to, to your website. Because then when Instagram goes down, you're still going to have your brand. You're right. not going to lose everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's your property, you know, and, and we can't emphasize that enough. If you're on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, it's not yours. You know, they can change what they can go down. I mean, you know, I, I love it when, you know, I'm on Facebook and, and everybody's posting, oh my God, Twitter's down, Twitter's down, you know, or the, you know, the opposite. Things happen, um, you know, and granted, it can happen with your own website too. I mean, you know, our website hosts can go down, all those various things, but you own it. Um, you know, it's, it's just like if you were a physical brick and mortar store renting from somebody. You know, you, you've got your store there, you're all set up, and then they increase your rent. They sell the building. They do all sorts of things that affect how your business operates that you, in many ways, don't have any control over. So it's best that as much as you possibly can, you own what you're doing. Right. And a website is really no different. You remember how I was talking about gold and Bitcoin, the mm-hmm. comparisons? Right. A website is almost like, land. It's almost like real estate. The comparisons are just so familiar. And Mm -hmm. so when you invest in your website, Mm -hmm. you're investing in your own personal property and the value goes up. Your website becomes really valuable. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of money on creating um, an article Mm -hmm. because I take that article and I write it. I put 2000 words into it. I put amazing graphics. I turn that article into a video. I Mm -hmm. build out an infographic and then I pay for traffic to go to that article. And then it becomes the go-to source for that subject on the internet. And all of a sudden I put whatever it costs me, if it costs me $2,000 for a piece of content, well, that over the course of the lifetime of that article, that can generate much more revenue than that. And then it also builds the total value of your overall website. So investing in a website is crucial. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a little technique for people if they're getting started uh, the next really important part is your email list. Right. You got to get your email list up there. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I'm generating over 20,000 new leads every single month. My mm-hmm. email list is in the 300,000 range. Um, 
you you have to get them once they go to your website. You really want to get a hold of their email, right? And so the way I do that is I put a a page up that says, "Hey, we are mine's in the finance industry. We have this strategy that tells you how to get into stocks early. Uh, click here, give us your email, and we'll teach you the strategy." Mm -hmm. So then we begin that relationship with them through our uh, email list, right? And again, you own those names. They're not your Facebook followers, your LinkedIn connections, all of those various things. These are people who said, hey, Casey, I want information from you. I am giving you permission to send to me. Right. And, and just another thing about owning those names, you, you've got to always read your terms of service. So I was right. with AWeber when I first started. Mm -hmm. And they said I violated their terms. Uh, whether I did or didn't, I don't really agree with them, but they hold the power. Mm -hmm. So they actually closed my account and Eek. took all my emails. Mm -hmm. And that was beginning. So I built in my first year, you know, you the challenges of being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You work really hard, you get this 5,000 email list, and all of a sudden they say, hey, um, we're closing your account and we're keeping your emails. Right. So guess what? I got to start out at square one. Mm -hmm. So here's a, a, a pro tip. Download your email list once a week. Right. And save it yeah. on your hard drive. <laughs> yeah. You know, you send an email out, download the list. You send an email out, download the list. Or if you're like me and you don't send as much, you know, set a thing on, you know, set a reminder that you go in and you download it. Right. Um, you know, and, and because that you can do. And, and if you can't, you know, then that's the wrong service. You know, you. Right. There's, I've had problems with that too. They don't even want to give you the data. They say right. they own all of it. So right. you just got to, you got to, there's trip. There's uh, hazards everywhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and I recently heard that LinkedIn took that feature away where you could download the lists. I like that. I don't like it. I mean, all those various things. But speaking of, of emails, make sure you're following the canned spam rules, folks. You know, don't download your LinkedIn contact list and automatically add them to all of your emails because you didn't, they didn't give you permission to do that. That's just poor form. You know, make sure people want to get your information. Right. And you don't want to, because it's all about your reputation. And so you want to treat people the way you want to be treated, mm -hmm. right? It seems to be very simple to understand, right. but I know I wouldn't want to get stupid emails from people that I have no idea who they are. Well, so treat and, people well. Yeah, you know, we have thousands, many of us, thousands of connections on LinkedIn. And so if I'm getting something from somebody that I don't even really know, it has no value. You know, and, and so even if it's great value, to me, it has no value because I don't know who it is. Right. That's very true. And uh, I know so many people on LinkedIn in the same way. I'm trying to uh, be a little more selective now and only connect to the people that I actually know. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, it's definitely would be overwhelming. And right. you, you don't want to get grouped in. Your reputation is one of the most important things that you got to mm -hmm. protect. Definitely. And just do things the right way. Treat people the way you would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Well, because it is a small world. You know, I, I saw a post on Facebook the other day where somebody said, hey, look out for X person because. Right. Um, you know, and <clears throat> so, <clears throat> sorry about that. You need to just, you know, always manage that. And it only takes one person saying your business or you is bad for there to really be a problem. Yeah, especially now because they have 500 friends on Facebook right. and they're going to tell every single one mm -hmm. about what you did. Yep. And then they're just going to click share, you know, and, and they're right. going to tell their 500 friends. So, yeah. Well, oh my gosh, Casey, we are at the top of the hour. This has been so much fun and we still have lots to discuss. So we'll just have you back on again sometime. But tell us about what you and your team can provide to our listeners. You know, what type of services do you offer? I'm really geared towards uh, financial industry. So if you're in the financial industry, we can work with you. But if not, you should still come to my website because I provide content that is useful for everyone um, because I teach about how to make extra money online through email marketing or I teach about financial strategies. Uh, so you can find me at caseystubbs.com. And my podcast is there, which is called the Cash Flow Hacking Podcast, which teaches tips, tricks, and strategies to increase your cash flow. Great. And how do people connect directly with you? If they want to connect directly, again, go to caseystubbs.com. My favorite social channel is Twitter. Okay. So that's probably where you're going to be able to get me the most because I'm on there almost every day. Uh, I also, there's also a contact form on my site, and I'm pretty good at answering the emails there. Perfect. See, you're the demographic where you like Twitter. <clears throat> I'm the demographic for Facebook and LinkedIn. 
I do some stuff on LinkedIn, very little on Facebook, but Twitter's great because in the financial industry, information moves really quick. Right. And so I just follow a couple key financial experts and they're always putting out good stuff. So it's really perfect for, uh, for the finance world. Right. And then you can do one of those cool tricks that, that you know, I tell people about, and, and I know that you do this, you share that information. Um, because you know that we want to be great resources. That is one of the things that is is fabulous for a small business owner, an entrepreneur, a whoever, is to be that resource. You know, share that great information. Doesn't have to be your own content. I'm going to share Casey stuff. <laughs> you know, so it's it's great to be a resource that people know, like, and trust. Exactly, and just share the good stuff. Right. Well, Casey, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Uh, well, I would just tell them to uh, have a vision for their lives and to go after it. Stuff doesn't happen on accident. Uh, make a plan and don't give up. Perfect. I love it. And it really is easy and difficult. You know, we're, we're not going to lie to you, but once you make it that habit, once you look at, you know, what do you spend every single month? What can you change? How can you invest? All these various things. So I do encourage you to connect with Stacy and or with Casey. Sorry about that. I combined your name <laughs> with, with Casey <coughs> to get that information. <clears throat> Well, I am Deb Creer. I'm about to lose my voice, obviously. I am Deb Creer, <coughs> having a great time talking with Casey Stubbs. And until next time, have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.